0: Hey, I'm Jim Richardson. I don't know about you, but man, I am enjoying life. I hope you are. If you're not, you're at the right place, but because I'm you something, Jesus came for you to have life at its best. And I'm telling you on all of our programs that we put out all the materials, we put out all the books, DVDs, CDs, audio teachings, uh, uh, podcasts, everything we do is all aimed toward you coming into the best life possible. You know, I was talking uh, with some ministers the other day and and I said, okay, I said, now do you understand what the primary goal of a minister is? And do you know where the first example of where we should understand what it is to be a pastor comes from? And, uh, and of course, you know, everybody knows, you know, Matthew 28, you know, go into all the world, pre- you know, make disciples, teach them to observe things that I've, you know, that I've taught you. And, uh, and so we're supposed to make disciples. But the interesting thing with that is people don't realize uh, our primary goal is not to make converts. Our primary goal is to make disciples because the disciples become converts. You know, we have thousands of first-time commitments. I mean, thousands and thousands of first-time commitments in a little bitty church in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, And and people would make first-time commitments without ever hearing a salvation message. And people were always amazed, how does that happen? And I was like, because I teach discipling messages. I teach what it would look like if you put the Word of God into effect and how that would bring quality to your life. And of course, then, you know, in talking to ministers, there's always Ephesians chapter 4, and all these are good things. You know, make, it, make disciples. Disciples are people who know how to build their life on the teaching and the examples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, in, in His finished work of death, burial, and resurrection. But in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul kind of states this a slightly different way, but it's still part of the same overall goal. He says, God's given some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now that word perfecting is a compound word. And uh, uh, part of that word is the word like mend, as in mending a net. And so, so you have a concept there of making something whole so it becomes useful for something else because the first part of that compound word is to mend or to make whole. The second part of that is to equip, you know, for the job. So making people whole equips them for everything that God wants them to do. And uh, again, we that's one of those places we get the cart before the horse where people want to get you to doing thing, doing things for God so you can become whole. That's backwards. That's just like, just like make disciples and disciples, disciples make become converts who keep walking with God. Converts. Many people who become converts first don't ever even walk with God. They never even really continue their journey with God. But you know what? Neither one of those things is the broadest place where we understand what our role is as ministers. You know, uh, uh, the the concept or the or the whole narrative of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and making their journey to the promised land, according to scripture, is the model, the picture uh, that we need to look at. These are the life lessons that we can learn if we will look at that as a journey from the world to getting saved, to embracing uh, the Word of God, to embracing the Holy Spirit working in us, to making the journey through the wilderness, to overcoming the works of the flesh, to coming into the promises of God, that place, that place of rest. So Moses, his primary job was to, make pe- to equip people, to make people whole for their relationship with God, so they could enter into the Promised Land, which is what Jesus called uh, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, because this is where you have heaven here on earth. Our job as leaders is to help you, help you have heaven on earth, help you have life at its best. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to its fullest, more abundantly. How You know, there's a lot of different ways people translate that, that Greek concept. So... <clears throat> Which, this brings me to where we're going. You know, this, this new series that we're starting today is, called, is basically Keys of the Kingdom. And um, Keys of the Kingdom is r- really the operating system for a believer who intends to have the abundant life. Now, I don't know how many times you, you've said this yourself or maybe you hear somebody say this, and they said, like, you know, life is tough. Uh, I wish we had gotten an operator's manual with it. Well, we did get an operator's manual, but sa- sadly, uh, uh, nobody wants to use the operator's manual because they don't trust what God said. You know, I used to, years ago, in, in marketing businesses that I owned, I would train people to do, to make contacts, to make telephone calls. And, uh, and, and when I would hire somebody, you know, if they were in a representative position, uh, they would make phone calls and then they would go out and, and meet with people face to face and make transactions. Well, here, here's what was really interesting. This was a, an eye opener for me. and I'm so thankful that there were many of these things I learned in business first instead of learning in ministry. Because a lot of times when we see problems in ministry, a lot of the criticisms that I see leveled against the church and I see leveled against Christians and many times are very legitimate criticisms because I have always had a business of some kind because I've always created fi- my personal finances outside of offerings, you know, and, and I've, never wanted, I've never wanted to just live off of offerings. I've wanted to give my family the quality of life uh, that I wanted them to have, uh, and be able to do it without sucking money out of the ministry. So because of that, I've always been in some kind of a business. Now, fortunately for me, I was also trained as a medical professional and had a clinic for a number of years. So I got to, I got to observe and work with and train and equip people in a business setting. I got to work with people who were struggling with monumental health you know, diseases and dysfunctions and would have to help them plot uh, a a strategy for getting well, getting whole, getting their life back. And I got to work with people in ministry through counseling and pastoring and this sort of thing. And what I saw is this, the problems that we have in the church are the exact same problems that I had with people in business. They were the exact same problems that I had with people in the clinic in that people struggle to work a plan and uh, uh, well, really any, any area, almost any area that you can criticize the church and people love to criticize the church usually as a justification for their own dysfunctional lives. But uh, almost any place you can criticize the church, you, take, you look at that person's life and they don't just do that at church. Whatever their dysfunction is, they do it in their job, they do it in their business, they do it with their family. In other words, people are just people and people have people problems. They have people issues. I was, I was talking with a friend the other day, and he, he started talking about uh, 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 a particular issue that he had. And I said, well, you know what? Your problem is not your issues. Uh, your issues are your problem. Uh, you know, you're, not, you're not struggling with your issues. You're just struggling, or you're not struggling with a, a part of your issues. You're just struggling with issues. And, and you're struggling with those issues because you don't know who you are because you're not putting into practice what the Word of God teaches us. That wasn't being critical. Now, I'm probably saying it right now a little differently than I said it in that situation because I don't remember all, all of the details. But people are just people, and we all have the same problems. And it doesn't matter if it's church, our relationship with God, our health, uh, our work, our, our relationships. We just, we just package those problems differently in different situations. Now, when I used to train people one the, to, to do uh, sales and marketing, one of the interesting things that I saw was this. I would take everybody through exactly the same training program. In other words, there was no difference. Nobody ever got any preferential treatment. And it was real simple. The people who worked the plan, as I gave it to them, they would fall into a a percentage bracket of success in other words a new person coming into a particular business you know we always worked out the numbers and it was like okay a new person coming in who has no background in this is probably going to close uh you know 40 30 or 40 percent of their of their uh sales And the person who comes in this with a little more experience is probably going to close, you know, 50 to 60 percent of their sales. And so so we pretty much knew uh, the percentage of success that a person was going to have when when they would come into our business. But here's the deal. People only fell into those success brackets if they worked the plan as it was given to them. Now, what was interesting was this. I saw incredibly intelligent people, serious people, people who wanted to make money, people who wanted to do well for their family, and they would not work the plan as it was given to them, which means they would come up on some part of the plan that they didn't trust, some part of the plan that they thought their ideas, even though they had no experience or no background in this particular in this particular field, they, the, the, still they felt like their way of doing it would be better, and and they just would not get the close rate that you know that everybody else would get. Now, but the the most interesting thing that people would say to me when they would get off script when they would start working a different plan was they would feel like. That I had left something out of their training. In other words, you know, this can't work like this. This can't be this easy. Uh, there, there's something you're not telling me. There's something that you're absolutely leaving out. Well, n- there wasn't anything I was leaving. I wanted them to make sales because when they made money, I made money. The company made money. Everybody made money. Everybody came out on top. Well, I got news for you. This is exactly what we do to Jesus. Jesus gave us operating instructions for how we as individuals could live the abundant life. How we could experience heaven on earth. How we could experience the very best that God has given us through the Lord Jesus. But when people always tend to think that you're leaving something out of the instructions, then they're going to go rogue and they're going to do things the way they want to do them, the way they think it ought to be done. Now, we come up with excuses for this. Now, obviously, some people just don't read the Bible for themselves. Some people do read the Bible for themselves, but they don't think for themselves. But some people actually read the Bible and say, okay, this is what I'm going by. And even though there's a lot I don't understand, I'm going to trust God to show me. I'm going to to come into what this this means. I'm going to come into the understanding of this. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to show me how to apply this to my life. And so those are the people that really start a predictable journey of coming out of Egypt, coming out of the world, of crossing the Jordan, of being baptized into the body of Christ, of going to Mount Sinai and having all of God's truth written on your heart and the Holy Spirit actually uh, not just coming into you, but the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, you know Pentecost uh, uh, occurred on the day, the same day, the same celebration that the children of Israel went, uh, uh, received the law uh, at, at Sinai. And and, the, and this is how you know that the law is not a negative thing. The way we have twisted it into legalism is not true at all because everything that God put into us, all of his commandments, he put that into us according to the New Testament language, uh, original language, in a way that brought it to us in the way he originally implied. It's amazing. Sometimes I'll, I'll be talking to somebody and they're, man, they're going through some kind of conflict that... At home, or conflict with a spouse, or or whatever, and uh, and you know, I'll, I'll say, you know what? You, you just need to forgive this. Uh, this you just need to send this offense away, and stop dealing with this. And, and like, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. No, ca- I can't do that. Well, really, Jesus said you could. Yeah, but, but I can't. There, there's something different about me. There's something unique about my situation. There's something that changes all of this that makes me exempt from the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just just, just just can't do it. And that person's life will get worse and worse and worse and they'll get more tormented, more tormented, more tormented and more tormented. But they still insist that doing it their way, holding on to the grudge, holding on to, to the anger, holding on to the resentment, holding on to the offense. They still insist that somehow by doing it their way, uh, it's gonna work out for them because, because you know obviously you just can't do this stuff that Jesus said you could do. And it's really not gonna come out the way he says it's gonna come out. Listen, there's, there's no help for that person. There's no help for the person that looks at the Word of God and says, I'm not gonna do it, can't do it, don't believe it'll work, I'm gonna do something else, got another plan, whatever they say. If they say anything other than, yes, Lord. Remember, Jesus said that the person who hears his words and does not put them into practice is like the person who built their house on the sand that when the storms of life come because they have no foundation, their life will be destroyed. Now that's not God destroying it. That's not God getting even with them. That's not punishment. That is you up against life using your power, your strength, your ability, your wisdom instead of his. But he says, those who who hear my words and put them into practice, that person, builds his house, which is his life, on the rock. You know, it's interesting too, by the way, uh, you got to remember, you know, uh, Jesus didn't preach in Greek. He preached in an uh, Aramaic dialect, and which was closer to the original Hebrew language. And uh, in the Hebrew, uh, the house, a house and the heart are represented by the same letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So when you start talking about a house, you understand that house or that household is based on what comes out of your heart, what comes out of the beliefs of your heart. So you could, you could really say that Jesus was saying, whoever establishes their heart in my teachings, that person, the waves will crash, the wind will blow, and they will remain standing because they're experiencing the life and the power of God. So I want you to know something. Jesus taught us everything that we need to know to have life at its best, and uh, and then we have all kinds of examples in the Word of God. But it's uh, by the way, let me just say this: it is another amazing phenomenon that with our mouth we call Jesus Lord, but really there are many people that don't believe you can follow Jesus' teaching. There are many people that think he was a legalist or that he was teaching. You know, the Old Covenant. Jesus wasn't teaching the Old Covenant. He was teaching the Scripture. He was teaching the Word of God. So, you know, when you reject Jesus' teaching, and and you can't replace Jesus' teaching with Paul's teaching. You can't replace Jesus' teaching with Peter's teaching. You can't replace Jesus' teaching with anything because Jesus was the exact representation of God. He showed us exactly what God intended, what God's true intentions, therefore what is the true application of His commandments should look like, and what they should always look like, and what the intention should always be is to walk in love one toward another. And I got news for you. When that's, when that's how you apply any part of the Word of God, you are gonna be in harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> in Matthew 16 and verse 13, Jesus, it says that Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" Now, this is really interesting because He's getting ready to teach them something that they will only understand if they accept Him as the Son of Man. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. This, This is more important than you will ever consider. The teachings of Jesus about Him being the Son of Man and how you interpret that and how you see that will have more to do with your capacity to have life at its best than almost anything else you believe other than the death, burial, and resurrection. Because you see, when Jesus came to planet Earth, and he, he showed us two things. He modeled two things. Number one, he showed us exactly what God was like. Every miracle he did is in line with what God would do. Every, you know, every person he forgave, every kindness, every act of mercy, all of this was an exact expression of God's will, God's intention, and how God relates to man. Now, religion had so twisted all of that that no, people couldn't see God as he was, and so we had to have Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, come to planet Earth and show us what God really looked like and show us how to apply the Scriptures. But He showed us something else, and this is where we really miss it. He showed uh, uh, where we really miss it as far as us being able to live in abundant life, in life at its best. He showed us exactly what a man, a human being, a man or a woman, filled with or yielded to the Holy Spirit could do and what their life could look like. Remember Jesus said, John 14, 12, he that believes on me, uh, the things I do shall he do also and greater than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is saying, if you believe on him, but remember you gotta believe on him as the scripture says. And when Jesus talks about his ability to have authority in planet earth, he always refers to himself as the son of man, not the son of God. Now, there, I have no way to get my head around all of this. I just know it's true. Jesus was the son of God, but according to the book of Philippians, the second chapter, he emptied himself so that he took on all of the boundaries, all of the limitations of mankind, of the human race. And the only difference was he was without sin. And people look at that and say, well, see, he was without sin. So, you know, how can he be a model to me? I'll tell you how, because when you got born again, you became without sin. Your spirit was made righteous and your spirit can't get any more righteous than it is. And so even though you may sin, you don't have a sin nature anymore. And so really you have the same capacity to know and see and express God and express God's power that Jesus had. By the way, be sure and check this out. If you really want to make this journey into knowing how to... Operate, how to use the keys of the kingdom to have heaven on earth. I got tools and resources for you. You know, I got an incredible new book that I've just released called Keys of the Kingdom. And then I've also got two tools that I recommend you getting to use with this book. And it is the series uh, on earth as in heaven, and it is the prayer organizer. So the prayer organizer, the series on earth as in heaven, and the book Keys of the Kingdom. Um, these we're going to put these in a special price in a bundle now you can get you can get them individually if you want to but you'll get a real deal if you get all three of them and i, I want you to have all three of them because i want you to have all of the tools you need to know how to move forward confidently in this and if you're interested you can check out uh, online uh, we decided that we're going to make it available through video uh, that you can purchase it online, uh, a heart physics uh, seminar called Meditative Prayer. So you can check out all this, all those resources, decide what you need. But the key is this, I'm going to make sure you understand how Jesus functioned. I'm going to make sure you understand uh, what's available to you, but I'm going to make sure you understand what we're about to touch on here in this passage of Scripture. So Jesus says, now, who do they say I the son of man? Now see, we read that scripture and we just leave out the importance of that whole concept. Who do they say the son of man is? Do they say I'm the son of man or do they say I'm somebody else? And they say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist has been killed. So really they're saying he's not really a real man. Some are saying Elijah. Well, Elijah's already crossed over and gone with God. So they're saying that you are not really a real man. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jeremiah and the prophets had already crossed over, have already gone to be with the Lord. So they're saying, you are not a real man. I want to tell you something. This is the, man, this is the challenge of every believer. Do I believe Jesus, the son of God, emptied himself and became a man every way, like as I am and every miracle he worked, every victory he had, he had as the son of man, as someone limited to the same resources that you and I have. He said to them, okay, so who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Jesus then responded to him. Now, we, have, we know that he taught his disciples that he was the son of man. And so I'm thinking that it's more than just the fact that they recognize he was the Christ, the son of the living God. They recognized he was Christ, the son of the living God, and the son of man that had emptied himself and become a man because he taught this over and over to his disciples. So verse 17, Jesus answered said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, it's, it's interesting. The people looking at Jesus from a distance struggled more with Believing he was just a man full of the Holy Spirit, like us, the people up close to him probably struggled more with believing he was only a man uh, and not seeing that he was also the Son of God. You know it's kind of interesting when you become familiar with someone, then you tend to see them uh, as you know more or or, or less superhuman than people who see them at a distance. You know, I've been around some of the biggest names in ministry and buddy, you know, almost all of these people, they, they have a mythology and, they, and, and, and their, their persona, Becomes a myth and the crowds that rush to their meetings and there's a, I'm not faulting. I'm not criticizing, but the crowds that rush to their meetings, rush to their meetings because they don't really know these people personally. They've read books about them. They've heard testimonies about people getting healed in their meetings. And so, so they did not ever encounter these big name preachers as real live human beings. And, buddy, they come into their meeting, they come into these meetings expectant because th- they don't have to deal with the fact that he goes to the bathroom, he drinks water, he has headaches, he gets tired, you know, he has personal conflicts. They don't have to deal with any of that. They have this idealized mythological concept of who these great leaders of the faith are. And, you know, it actually kind of helps them receive and get healed or receive a miracle at their hands because, because they have put them in this, in this supernatural category. But what was interesting is when I worked close to a lot of these people, uh, now I was all right accepting that these are just men full of the Holy Ghost. God's using them, I respect them. I'm gonna give them the honor that, you know, that they are due. But at the same time, these are still just men. So I know they're gonna have problems. I know they're gonna have issues. I know there's gonna be places you know, in their lives where maybe they're a little unfair or unkind, or I don't like their decisions. But, but for me, that did not diminish their calling. It did not diminish who they were in the ministry. But so many of the other people that were around them were always criticizing them because they weren't the mythological superman that they had expected them to be. Well, you know something? I'm sure Jesus' disciples went through that. They saw the miracles, but they also also saw the human side. They saw him tired. They saw him hungry. They saw him weep. They saw him angry. They saw him go through the whole gambit of human emotions. The one thing they never saw is that he would give in to those things to the point of sin. So for them to be able to see him up close and personal as a man, but also see him as the Son of God, this is really a big thing. And so he says, to Peter, he says, look, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. He said, but I'm going to tell you that you're Peter, Petros, you know, the pebble, the rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. Now, of course, many people think that that's him building the church on Peter himself. No, it's the rock of what Peter saw, the revelation that Peter had. He was the son of man, but he was the son of God. And he says, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and the gates represent authority. He says that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed into heaven. Now I wanna take you to a place for the next several weeks of understanding what that means and how to use that authority in real life. Listen, I gotta go now, be sure and like this, be sure and share this with your friends, be sure and put your comments and questions on here and we'll be talking to you again next week.